Hi, my name is Trip Gorman, and in this episode of Samia VC, I sat down with Nick Rossi, the co-founder and CEO of Finario Connect, which he likens as the plaid of Latin America. Before founding Finario, he was a graduate of NYU and got a Fulbright scholarship to pursue an MBA in Mexico City. He then worked at Deloitte for founding Finario with a check from the Mexican government. He talked about how Latin American tech and venture capital has changed in the last six years. He talked about how important it is to have a Latin American co-founder as an American founding a company in Latin America. And then he also talked about things like cultural barriers that you would face as an American co-founder in Latin America. It was an excellent conversation and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So Nick, thank you for spending the time with us today. I just want to start out talking a little bit about Finario Connect. So what is the fundamental gap that was missing in the Mexican or Latin American finance space before Finario Connect? And how is Finario Connect uniquely positioned to solve this issue? Hey, yeah. Uh, thanks for inviting me, Trip. Uh, pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> the problem that, that we were solving initially was um, was really around people's um, data and their personal finances and how to best manage that in a way that was automatized, in a way that you didn't have to keep track of where you were spending money um, between di multiple different bank accounts. And I think the, that that issue is still an issue for, for people in Latin America in order to kind of better manage their personal finances and also be able to obtain things like um, loans and, and other kind of financial products. So I think that that's always been the issue um, that we attacked as far as like from the early days when we were just in the application. And then Finetio Connect really was the evolution of that just to expand all of those capabilities to any, uh, any bank or financial institution that, that wanted to take advantage of, of what we had built. So basically being able to create the infrastructure that was necessary to be able to check anyone's bank account, verify their details, verify their income, verify their expenditures, et cetera, and uh, then be able to then process that, take decisions based off of data, and even help the end user kind of have a better experience. So those are really the core of uh, those issues are really the core of what we attack when it comes to financial infrastructure in Latin America. Um, why us? Because we actually started as uh, the only application that was attacking this issue. Um, we had 250,000 end users with our, our application uh, after about a year. And, uh, and yeah, nobody's really done it at scale, um, at the same scale that we have, especially in Spanish-speaking Latin America. There's not really been any proven solutions out there. So, so yeah, we're, we're pretty... We're pretty excited about uh, our positioning and how we've grown over the last year or two. So does this issue also exist in the United States? And if so, how is it being solved here? How is it different? And would Finario Connect thus ever expand the United States? Um, no, I think, well, I think in the United States, I think Plaid is doing pretty well. Uh, it's got that issue covered pretty, pretty well. I think there's plenty of, there's actually plenty of companies that are pretty big in the U.S. that uh, tackle this issue, whether it's Plaid or Finicity, which was bought by MasterCard for a billion dollars, or you have MX, which is another company that does this quite well. You have Yodley. So you have a lot of, you have a lot of competitive uh, pressures in the United States that you don't necessarily have here. It's very interesting. And taking it back to, you mentioned, you know, your, your time in Latin America, Finario Connect was part of one of the original or the original TechCrunch battlefield in Latin America in 2018. How do you characterize this change in Latin America's tech and startup landscape over the past five years? Yeah, I mean, it's been an incredible change. Um, when I first got to Mexico City, there was really no such thing as e-commerce. Mm. Um, there was a, a, a startup that was trying to attack that, but really hardly anybody had used it. There was a lot of um, fear around people putting in their 
credit card details online. There's, there's just, it's, you're dealing with a society with low levels of trust. Um, there was no Uber really. It was just kind of getting off the ground. Um, so, and, and I think that that actually was a really, really big, that really exploded because again, there wasn't a lot of trust with the taxi system that was here because of insecurity issues, uh, overcharging issues, things like that. So I think really what started to change a lot is around trust. Like hopefully that's really kind of where tech is leading Latin America is, is to be able to instill some sort of brand that can inspire trust. Um, and that allows people to kind of um, utilize, you know, their, their smartphones or their own data in their, in their favor and, and not have to fear, um, you know, of some sort of security issue or, or compromise or anything like that. So I think uh, it's changed a ton. Um, obviously, there's also been a lot more funding that came down here in the last five years. And I think um, it's really, really changed the face of what people expect in terms of um, services in the market and, and for the better. You mentioned the funding. That was my next question. How did you go about finding the VC funding right when you started? And how has that changed since you, uh, you know, the, the Latin American startup space has changed? There's, you, you mentioned there's more funding. How has that changed over the past couple of years? And also, what do you look for an investor, uh, both at the beginning and now, as that space has kind of blown up? Um, yeah, I mean, when, when we first started, there really weren't many investors. Um, we, you know, we started around 2017 and, and there was really like almost nothing in terms of investment. So we actually got a fund. Uh, our first check was actually from the government. Um, they had a program here for supporting entrepreneurship and startups just because there was really like nothing there. Um, so that was really what's, what helped us get started. And then after that, kind of starting to be able to prove more and more product market fit, we were able to go after kind of angel groups and smaller VCs and things like that. That were more, mostly more local. Um, and yeah, it's, it's always been a, you know, a, VC is always about making connections long-term. So, I mean, you know, these, these things don't happen overnight. I think you have to just kind of, um, you know, start sending updates, start sending, um, you know, connecting with people at different events and asking for intros and things like that. So it's very much a, a hustle in that regard. Um, and then later on, as we kind of became more and more successful and pivoted towards B2B, it becomes much more institutionalized. And then, you know, you basically are looking at fundraising a formal round and, you know, contacting lots of VCs doing the pitch over and over and all that type of stuff. And, uh, and yeah, it's been, it's been cool to watch the ecosystem evolve and watch more and more American VCs become interested in, uh, in investing in the success of Latin America. Um, both because I think it's got good returns um, and also lower levels of, of, of competition. And you also have a, just a huge up and coming middle class, right? Kind of similar to what happened, uh, you know, in China and Asia and all that stuff. So I think we're, you know, Investors are always looking for where's where's the delta, where's the next uh, upcoming hot region, right? So I think I think it's become that, and I think it's uh, I think it's a great great sign for the region. So pivoting to your own background and how that connects with Latin America, when did you fully discover your admiration for Latin America, and how did working for you said an NGO in Argentina, Deloitte in Mexico, and pursuing an MBA in Mexico City on a Fulbright scholarship, how did those three experiences also develop that admiration? Yeah, well, it was always. Um, an interest of mine because I grew up where I grew up uh, in Hudson County, New Jersey was very, very Latino to begin with. So I was always very interested in that culture. And then just being able to get the opportunity to be able to study abroad in Argentina for a year, learn Spanish and really get deeper into the culture was, was, um, was a big game changer for me. And it made me kind of want to go back to Latin America at some point. Um, I had a detour also in Spain, working at Santander Bank, um, where I worked more in kind of a formal Spanish setting. Um, but then, yeah, I, I came back to the States and I knew I still wanted to one day go back to Latin America at some point. So 
Um, I applied for the Fulbright and I think, uh, you know, I was, I was just fortunate to get it and be able to kind of build on that to then, you know, from what I learned, launch Finetio in a way that I thought would make sense for, for, uh, for Latin Americans. So I think it's always been um, a source of inspiration. I always love the culture. I love the, the, uh, the potential, right? I think it's kind of like the, the wild west a little bit when it comes to business. So um, I just had lots of different ideas that I wanted to, to test out here and, and Finetio wound up being kind of the one that I landed on. So you had the idea to go to Latin America, but how important is having a co-founder from Mexico like you have with Jose uh, in the process of building a startup as an American in Mexico? Yeah, well, I think um, I think at the time it was very important um, for me to have someone that I felt like had a more, had the cultural, con- the cultural context of Mexico um, and what, what that looked like. So I, and also the legal processes and accounting and there's lots of things that like are very very local in that way um that that you might not have any background for so yeah and i think having a co-founder is just super important in general i think having someone there to be able to support um and be able to kind of lean lean on each other so i think i think it is pretty important to have teams that are complementary at the end of the day and whether that's local and and foreigner or that's you know technical and non-technical um, I think, you know, it's just a matter of finding out how the pieces fit together. Um, but, but I do think, you know, the foreigners here in, in Latin America have, have been very successful in terms of raising lots of, lots of rounds um, or, or larger rounds. Um, they've done, endeavored to study on this um, in, in Mexico and in Latin America in general, I believe. And, and those with a foreigner in the, in the founding group actually much, raised much more. So I think it's always good to have that perspective from the outside and from the inside because then you're starting to combine strengths of, of both, right? You're starting to be very ambitious about what you can do in the market, but you're also being realistic about, you know, what, what, what is this market capable of sustaining and, and what is it that it wants, right? So I think if you can combine those two things, ideally that's, that's a great combination. So what do you think the biggest surprise about Mexico or Latin America that you've encountered during the last 6.5 years that you've lived there in Mexico City? What would that be? Um, the biggest surprise Biggest surprise has been, um, I would say, the pace at which things have started to move. Um, I yeah, it's it's kind of irrecognizable the city from from six years ago to what it is today, in terms of um, just the amount of people working in startups and the culture around it. I remember when we first started, we had to convince people, you know, that like joining a startup wasn't like super risky or like dangerous or whatever. Like there was just no there was just no idea of what that was and everyone was kind of very attached to this idea of like prestigious old kind of corporations and working at one of those and, you know, uh, whether that was a consultancy or, or whatever. Um, so I think, you know, for us, it's changed a lot just in terms of um, the level of competition, the level of, um, you know, conscientiousness around startup culture and all that type of stuff. So, and, and just the level of services as a consumer too. So I think it's just been incredible to watch that grow. So how do you deal with the cultural barriers, if any, between you and your Latin American colleagues? Um, well, I've been here long enough at this point that I think <laughs> there's not too many. Um, I think, yeah, in general, if you can, uh, you know, if, if you have a good dom- domination of the language, then, you know, you'll be okay. Um, I do think it's important to speak Spanish or, or whatever the local languages or if it's Portuguese in Brazil. Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the day, we're all humans and, and the culture here is is pretty similar to that of the U.S. is just a little bit more laid back and got its got its finer points, but um, you know it's it is a culture that I think a lot of people uh, can identify with, especially if you're from the U.S. and you know you know Latinos are, are are a big 
big part of the US at this point. So I think um, more than anything, it's just around being able to speak the language and being able to be direct in a way that sometimes, you know, um, it, other cultures aren't as, as direct. So I think um, for, for Americans, we're used to, to a little bit more directness and things like that. Um, that's more, more or less kind of the one thing that I, I find that I have to be um, conscientious of. You mentioned on the interpersonal aspect just now, the directiveness, but at a more kind of larger 30,000 foot view, what's the biggest thing that you've learned about running a business in Latin America that maybe the average American venture capitalist or operator wouldn't know? Mm, yeah, um, I would say that it's a, it is a game that requires uh, a lot of nuances um, that you might not expect in the U.S. So whether that's, um, you know, building relationships with your clients or building relationships with the regulators or, you know, um, just kind of building local level partnerships, um, things like that. I think it's, it's very much a market where it's based on, again, trust. And the way that you build trust is, um, you know, through branding, but also through personal connection, I think, in Latin America, or I think in the U.S., at least, like, we, we underestimate the power of that, especially in startups where things are, are productized and, um, you know, it's kind of like a self-service model. I think in Latin America, things are a little bit more manual. Um, cost of labor is cheaper. There are people doing things that robots do in the U.S. still. Um, and also just, you know, that, that's going to change. But I think basically the idea is that uh, you need to get in on the ground level with a lot of these organizations and really put in a lot of the dirty work at a local at a local level and a networking level. And, and, and these things take time. So I think, um, you know, sometimes if you come in with that the attitude that like, you know, here's my product, take it or leave it. It's a little harder to sell than um, in Latin America than if you come in with a more local perspective or with somebody who already has a lot of connections. Um, that, I think that's really important. So you mentioned a little bit about the difference in funding amongst American founders versus Latin American uh, you know, founders themselves. You're part of that sub-community of Americans who founded companies in Latin America. What, sub, what common traits do you see in yourself and other successful peers who've gone abroad to build a startup? Uh, well, perseverance, I think perseverance, determination, you have to have your dream in mind and your goal in mind. And, you know, I know guys who have been at this for 10 years, 10 plus years, 20 plus years. And, you know, some of them have had just one company, some of them have had multiple. Um, but I think overall, like, you know, the theme is that, um, you know, they, they never sit still and they're always kind of trying to go forward and, and, and we're, you have to be very, very perseverant as, as a founder, no matter where you are in the world. Um, and, and, very, and very flexible in that way, especially in Latin America, where you know you can have um, you know multiple things, unexpected things happen, or um, communi you know communication issues, or um, or things like that. So I think I think in general you just have to be very very perseverant and, and, and flexible uh, when it comes to the long term. Okay, so finally I must ask Peter Thiel's famous question, but with a uniquely Simia VC twist. What important truth about Mexico or Latin America do very people agree with you on? Yeah, um, I would say that, I mean, I think that um, the future of Latin America is going to be um, around data and around automizing a lot of this data. Um, but there's also going to be a lot of manual components that we're going to have to start to, to kind of replicate. Um, and so I think things are gonna be, I think data is gonna be very, very important, but I think we're gonna have to slowly but surely kind of adapt them to ways that Latin Americans understand, whether that's through sending their bank statements through WhatsApp or um, 
I don't know, uh, sending it through a text message or, or an email. And we've kind of adapted a lot of our products in that way, in a way that like most US and Europeans uh, companies that do what we do haven't. I think what we're seeing is that a lot of users um, have these tendencies already baked in. And, and if you can kind of start to automate a lot of those tendencies without changing their, their behavior, then that's really kind of where you're going to start to win um, in a lot of ways where, where others might not uh, be aware of. So I think um, in general, just Latin Americans, they don't like to change their behavior super quickly. So if you can adapt your services to that, I think that's, that's the way to go rather than trying to force some sort of model from the outside on them. Okay. Well, Nick, that's the end of our interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. I really appreciate it. You are our first guest on some VC. We'll see where this goes, but you were the, the first person. So you're the seed. Thank you so much. Thank you. No, no problem. Anytime. Well, that was it. That was the first episode of the Sydney VC podcast hosted by me, Trip Porman, with Nick Rossi, uh, CEO of Finario Connect. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Check out more at samia.vc uh, or check me out on LinkedIn, Trip Gorman. And it was a pleasure having you listen and hopefully you're back for the next episode.